we go. Okay. Welcome to episode 188 about Off Topic. How are you, Brad? Uh, I'm excellent, Andrew. How are you doing today? I'm great. I, wow. uh, before I was coming on here, I was just playing with, I went from complaining about how much a wheel setup costs for an Xbox to just buying one. So Sounds about right. Yep. America, uh, American consumerism at its finest at the $1,200 check mark. Doing my part. Um, yes. <laughs> and I was setting it up. I got like a stand for it and I had an old set of uh, Corbos just hanging around that we were going to do stuff with, but right now they're not being used. So I'm going to use them for that. Yep. Um, I had to get a slider set up for the seat base. Cause of course it's like universal seat base fits all sorts of racing seats. You're like, okay, cool. I put it on there. Totally didn't line up with the Corbo bolt pattern. So plus well, I like, had no way to like make it slide. Yeah. About anything universal like that. It's like, they're all different. How can it be universal? Exactly. It would need to be like Swiss cheese to make it universal. Have like a thousand bolt holes in it. Now it would have fit, but I would have had to figure out, I would have measured perfectly the four bolt holes that match the bottom of the seat. And it's a specific Sparco, uh, Sparco, a specific Corbeau pattern, I guess. And I'd have to match it and I have to drill it. It was pretty thick steel. And I was like, mm. I also didn't have any sliders. I was like, that kind of stinks. Cause then when you go to sit in it, if you're like too far away, you really can't adjust it. So I bought a universal Corbeau seat base and slider, which oh, apparently okay. it's for like nine fourteen Porsches, but they made it into their universal one. So it's yeah, like they're completely, they're pretty much yeah, a flat, flat floor. So yeah, it's a complete flat bracket. But the bolt holes are set wider than the slider bra- uh, slider bracket bolts, so it lines up enough. I measured. I did get the measurements off it. I made sure it would line up with the bolt holes, and I got bolts that were instead of using like ten mil bolts because that's how big the holes are. I got eight mil, so it gave me a little play, and that lined up. But what I didn't consider was the way the sliders are bolted to the bracket their bolts for those come down and hit the crossbar on the seat base. So it wouldn't sit flat. Okay. So I was like, I ended up having to actually drill two holes, <laughs> um, but I only had a quarter inch drill, bit. I needed one just slightly larger than quarter inch. So I had to use like undersized bolts for now to hold the front of the sliders and the, the nice heavier ones, but it, it seems pretty solid. And, uh, it actually looks pretty good. It sits at a good height. You're not like totally on the floor. The only thing like, cause it's like one of those cheap, like Chinese seat bases is kind of missing some of the, uh, well, it came with a bunch of bolts, but not, you really needed to use all the long ones and none of the short ones, you know, like one of those, like when you're putting bolts through tubes and like the bolt doesn't go all the way through the tube, that's how it's held together. Okay. And like, so I got to get some longer ones and then the, I need to get machine screws to hold the pedals to the foot plate. Cause otherwise I just have a giant zip tie, like an industrial size zip tie. I mean, machine screws, slide around. machine screws and zip ties are generally how a lot of people work on their cars anyway. So we'll just let it slide. It's not a real car. 
So you can half-ass it. It's fine. Well, uh, well, I should say, when I say machine screws, I mean, like, not like a self-tapping screw. I mean, like, a machine thread Okay, bolt. so uh, proper. Yeah, the it's cool because the Logitech wheel on the backside of the... I don't think the steering wheel setup has it. On the backside of the shifter and on the backside of the foot pedal assembly, it's got uh, threaded nuts embedded in it. So you can, or threaded inserts, I should call them. And okay. you can uh, run machine screws through those. And there are there are proper holes that it was set up, like universal holes, at least on this thing, the stand. They'll go through it and bolt, which is kind of cool. So the stand is a, is a stand you bought. It's something you built. Yeah, I bought it because it would just be easier than building it. Yeah. It wasn't terribly expensive. I mean, really, if I didn't already own the seat, I probably should have bought one of those play seat setups, but whatever. This was maybe not that much cheaper, but a little bit cheaper. Every dollar counts. Um, and then I was trying it. And you really got to go through all the settings. I kind of set it up in dirt. It's hard. <laughs> it's even harder. It's, it's harder with the steering wheel than with the controller? Yes. All good. Well, I can't finish um, with a controller, so. Maybe you, maybe you get used to it and you can make smaller adjustments. I don't know. It's definitely a different learning curve. So I tried Forza real quick before I, we got together for this. I'm going to have to do all the settings for that because it's like I picked one of our easier cars that we drive all the time, and it's like super easy to drive, that the spec Miata we use. Mm-hmm. And like going down the front straight at Lime Rock, just like turning the wheel slightly and I'm like spinning off into the tire wall. <laughs> like, okay. Interesting. So, so it's too sensitive probably. There's definitely some settings that you go on YouTube and, and people will tell you how to set up. It's, it is cool though that the, so that I remember the old wheel we had for Gran Turismo or the one I had, the gas pedal and the brake pedal pretty much felt the same. Like I don't remember there being a big difference. This one the brake pedal is actually really hard to press like an actual brake pedal would be. Okay. Yeah. I remember the old one was just kind of floppy like the gas pedal was. Yeah. So the gas pedal feels like a a throttle pedal. Brake pedal has resistance and the clutch pedal feels like uh, the way a clutch pedal should feel. And uh, that is definitely strange trying to drive a clutch without feeling the vibration. Yeah. I don't don't know if I can through the car. I don't know if I can do that. Um, (laughs) I was, messing around with it and like stalled a couple times, but then you kind of got it. It's weird. Does the car actually stall? What's that? Yeah. The car in dirt, the car will stall. Hmm. It's boom, boom, boom. And then you got to put it neutral or push the clutch in and you hit the throttle and it starts the car back up. And it like takes a while to start sometimes. You're like, okay, this is accurate. Especially the older carbureted cars. Yeah. Well, I, I know the cars do stall in the game because I crashed them enough to the point where if you slow down too much, they stop running and I have to restart. But I didn't know you yeah. could stall it with the clutch if you tried to use a clutch. Yeah. That's pretty intense. So it's interesting. It's definitely uh, going to practice with it some more. But uh, that should be pretty fun. And then uh, talking about brake, that reminds me. We have pedantic corrections. Um, my dad sent us a message that is a uh, on the Mercedes. Oh, yeah. We're calling an air brake is a speed brake. Okay. Yeah. Which is so, that, which is funny because any brake I would consider a speed brake. I guess that's what they're called in airplanes is a speed yeah. brake. Okay. No, that's neat. That's cool as an actual term for it other than air brake because I assumed it was air brake. I mean, I learned that from Bugs Bunny, obviously. 
Remember the yeah. Looney Tunes when he'd like be in an airplane, it'd be crashing, and they almost in the ground, and they'd be like, "Oh, the air brakes," and they would stop midair. You don't remember that? Remember. I do. Okay, good. No, I remember it. But that's that's why I call it an air brake because that's you know you learn that in your formative years watching Bugs Bunny, and then uh, oh, I know. Thirty something years later, thirty five, six, seven years later, when you're trying to explain what kind of break it is, my brain went back to Bugs Bunny air brake. That's right. But not. So, a speed break. Um, anything else? You haven't done anything with a... You've done any scale project cars or just... Uh, uh, yeah, I finished that Nissan I was talking about, Datsun pickup. So I've finished the first model in years, so that's good. It was... Um, cool. It was halfway done already. And when I took it out of the box, so I was like, oh, I'll start with this because it's a partway finished project. Um and much like with my real car life that I'm trying to do now, where I don't just stop doing projects, I want to continue them and finish them. I said, this car is half done. I'm going to take it out. I'll figure out whatever reason I stopped working on it, and I'll fix that first, and then I'll move on. Well, this particular kit is a Revell kit um, of the Datsun. It just has Datsun off-road pickup. It's just a whatever the Datsun truck was called at the time, a 720, I think. Is that 720, the 80s one? I think so. Um, but it has these... Uh, molded on like fender flares that look like they'd be black plastic and it came with decals to simulate the black finish on them and I put them on the truck years ago when I started working on it and the decals were undersized so it showed a lot of the body color red around the decal where the molded part was so it just looked dumb and I got frustrated and I put it away Um, so when I took it out I was like all right I got to finish these decals. So I was trying to figure a way to get them off. Uh, the first one I'd use sandpaper, which obviously made a big mess. Um, and then I was like, I wonder if there's a way that I could release these old water slide decals without damaging the paint underneath. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So there is <laughs> um, acetone or more commonly in most households, nail polish remover. Um, put it on a Q-tip and just start rubbing it on the decal. And if you get an edge that it goes underneath, it starts lifting and it just, it's almost like polishes away. So I was able to take off the decals without damaging the paint on the body of the truck. So then I used some Tamiya, um, Tamiya masking tape, the fine line masking tape, masked them off, masked the rest of the truck off and sprayed them with a semi gloss black instead of using the decal. So the whole thing would be covered versus just what the decal shape covered. Um, and it came out perfect. So I was like, all right, now I can finish this thing. So I managed to finish it and it was, uh, made me feel accomplished for sure because I haven't finished a model in quite a long time. I've used uh, Microsol to soften decals that are old and get them to be removed. That's what I tried first and it wouldn't work. Hmm. Yeah. I used, uh, Microsol, um, Oh, nope. I have micro set, not Microsol. Yeah, Microset is like adhesive for a decal, especially yep. for like small ones. Microsol makes them super soft, right, and go around curves. And actually, that I think that's the one that kind of smells like vinegar. It's weird. They do smell like vinegar. Yeah, both of them do. I think. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, the acetone worked. It's not you know super friendly for your hands and skin and whatnot, but it did. It worked for what it was supposed to do. 
Um, I took them right off and I was able to paint them and, and complete the kit. And I said last week I'd take pictures of it and I fully intended to, but I haven't done that yet. Um, so that's all done. And uh, I pulled out a second kit. So it's good. Building is fun. Well, speaking of decal removal, uh, this reminds me, pro- real project car updates. Uh, you know, can't do much because uh, my other cars are in storage at my dad's house because I'm doing some work on the house and using the garage as a staging area. But I've got the Montero here, so I ordered one of those decal whizzer wheels. Mm-hmm. It's like a rubber eraser wheel you put in a drill because it's it's kind of hard. If you don't realize what you're looking at, the bottom from the fender to the rear doors on a second-gen Montero on the two-tone part is actually a decal. It's not a textured piece of plastic. Like it's made, the decal is made to mimic the mold lines on the bumper ends, but it's not. And actually, funny, the rear quarter behind the rear wheel, the sheet metal is stamped with those uh, indentations. I don't know. Well, the, the, reason for it, the, the reason for it is that the doors were the same from the first, second gen to the last second gen. Actually, the rear doors are not because they get wide. Oh, right. That's true. Uh, but the front doors the are front the same. Doors, yeah. So in order to save on stamping and stuff, they probably went ahead and just kept that front door stamping the same. So they didn't have to re-engineer you know, engineer a new panel for the front door. And in order to make it work into the back door, the back door had to be designed flat as well. And then to integrate that design, they just had this like gradient lines just to kind of fade away so that it tricked your eye into thinking it was a, a ribbed plastic piece on like a trim panel on the door. So it was probably because they wanted to save money in the first place. So after 25, 20, 25 years, they look pretty crappy being out in the sun. Um, so I was going to take them off. So I started with the rear, the right rear door and uh, it did not go well. Like it kind of melted. Like I was trying to move it around a lot of the rubber built up, it kind of burned through the paint to the uh, primer layer, which kind of stinks, and left big chunks of rubber behind. I was super annoyed. Everybody on the internet's like, I don't know, it's usually pretty easy. You just kind of move it around. It makes a bunch of dust. Yeah, and I've, and I've done it myself, and it's always been really easy. I've never seen an issue with it before. So I was like, whatever. A couple days went by. I was like, let me try the front fender, see if it's different. Front fender came off couple tries like a couple passes with a rubber eraser wheel i didn't have any acetone or uh like rubbing like denatured alcohol or anything so i just used gasoline that i had laying around to get the remainder of the glue off uh and it looks nearly perfect so it's one of those things where i'm just gonna if it's a nice day i'll just go do like a section and i'll just because it's kind of annoying to do for like i don't want to do it all in one shot because it's super right. annoying so like i'll just go out and do it for like a half hour and then just keep going around the truck. Cause the initial, the eventual plan is to, there is a tinted color bed liner that you can buy by the quart or by the gallon. And there's a basic silver color that looks pretty close to that silver. And I'm just going to mask it and roll it and do that bottom half of the truck in silver gravel guard. And I'll go right around and do the bumper ends to, and I think that'll look pretty cool because the bumper ends are like all chewed up from the sun and they've got some scuffs on them. So, yeah, no, it'll, look- 
it'll freshen the whole truck up. It'll be nice. Yeah, and it's funny because there's actually like in the gallery on the website for this place, I was looking through it and like I clicked into it because I was like, wait a minute, I recognize that shape. So some guy has a white Delica and he did the bottom half of his white Delica in white gravel guard. Okay. Right around, right over the bumpers too. It looked super cool. So nice. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty um, sure it'll look good. I mean, it's not, you usually have pretty good, uh, pretty good. You should be able to like roll it on like a two inch foam roller. Should be all right. I'm not sure. I don't know. I'll have to look into it. But because the way for me, my opinion is when if you do black gravel guard in the bottom of your vehicle, it tells me the thing's rusty. That's the New England way of thinking. Yeah. So like, I don't think to me, it it doesn't look good. It looks like you have a rusty vehicle and you're trying to cover it up. So this way, at least if it's a body color, it looks intentional and cool. It doesn't look lazy. I think the other thing is that the black gravel guard in the bottom, a lot of times looks lazy because it's not finished properly because it is hiding rust. So exactly. I think that if you do it correctly and you're actually not hiding rust, you're trying to make the truck look better, not just trying to get an inspection sticker, everything will be fine. So I, I think it'll look good. I'm, uh, I'm encouraged. Just don't go ahead and bedliner the whole truck. Cause that's terrible. No, I got to figure out what to do with the top of it because the clear coat's peeling. Maybe put some like, do some like vinyl things or something or I don't know. I've seen a couple of people do white roofs. looks kind of cool in the tan, but mm-hmm. we'll see. And it helps. Just trying to make it look slightly better. Yeah. More respectable. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want to spend all the money on painting the truck. It's not worth painting because if you spend a bunch of money and you paint the truck and it looks super nice, then you'll never ever, not that I go off road very often. I would never ever want to go off road again if I spent right. three grand on painting the truck. Right. If it's and if you spent three grand on painting the truck, that would be a deal and it probably wouldn't look good anyway. Okay. Yeah. That's the other thing. So it doesn't cost three grand. It costs more than that. Yeah. Exactly. So if you spent that much on painting a vehicle, you're never going to want to drive it or go off road with it again because as soon as you scratch it, it's like dollar signs and anger in your eyes. So yeah, that money is better spent elsewhere. I'd, I'd rather see you put money into the actual vehicle itself versus just a paint job on, on a vehicle yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, well, Especially going on drives and stuff, uh, gas prices are officially super low. Like, oh, excuse me. I um, wow, classy Andrew. Yeah, I was driving. Uh, I was drinking seltzer water here. I get some uh, classic Polar Blueberry Lemonade. Um, yeah, near my house, I've got a couple of gas stations. Dollar eighty-seven, which is like insane, right? It is insane. I'm still paying two eighty out here. Yeah, I don't know. That's, I guess, because it's like, I remember reading about this like a while ago, and maybe we even talked about this on our gas station episode. I don't remember, but the further you get from the supply area, the more expensive it is, which makes sense. It just makes sense. It costs more to get it there. Um, So we're very close to the port, and it comes in into Boston, so it's very cheap. There are places in town outside of where I live that I guess are less money by about. 50 cents um a lot of that has to do with where i am and where i live is a very it's very like metropolitan it's 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 the city of downtown like i'm not rural at all so that and i think too you've 
as a gas station owner, you've, you've purchased your whatever it is, 10,000 gallons of gas into your tanks. Like you paid for it at X dollars. Like you don't want to, you can't now adjust your price to lower than what you've uh, purchased it for. So probably as you work through that supply, the, the price must drop too, I bet. Well, if and, that was the case, then I would think that the rural stations would be more expensive than the stations in the city because they get less business. Like the station around the corner from here is one of the busiest gas stations that I've possibly ever been to. Like always, you're always waiting for a pump and there's, you know, 25 pumps. So Well, then that comes to the other weird thing. Like people are just used to paying what they pay for it. So you just leave it. And you, well, and, you and that money, and right? part of the reason here is, again, where I am in town, you know, their rent on their land or their building is worth, you know, six times what a rural one is. The The real estate prices out here are so pocketed, depending on where you are. And when you're downtown with, you know, big um, the, the skyscrapers and hotels and restaurants and, and all those kinds of things, it's going to be the rent is going to be more expensive. So that's going to factor into the price of the gas probably, too. So. I'm sure there's a few things going on, but unfortunately, there's nothing close enough to make it worth my while to drive a little further to get cheaper gas. So nothing really going anywhere anyway, but, you know, we just did, like I said, we've been doing, you know, the one the one day a week drive to nowhere and drive back. So we have been getting well, then. Well, the national average is $1.80. That's and amazing. that's the lowest since 2004. Yeah. And, and I remember that. I remember... It was like such a big thing when we were talking about gas going over two dollars. Yeah, like that was a huge deal. Yep. And here we are. <laughs> yeah, back under two and happy. So speaking of things that are also uh, kind of crazy, uh, the take rate of manuals is like for new car sales is at like an all time low. So. Well, it goes down every year, it seems. Yeah. Um, there's like, according to an article in the drive, there's only um, manual transmissions are only available on one in eight new U.S. car models, which is kind of insane. Like, I'm trying to think of like, it's probably, we've talked about where Volkswagen does manuals. Yep. Uh, Subaru has manuals. There's probably not much else. Mazda. Porsche, Mazda. Um, um, I think Civic's still available manual. Corolla is still available manual. The article talks about how the Z06 was offered in a manual only until 2015 when the automatic came out. And all of a sudden people flocked to the automatic. Like the sales like exploded for the Z06 because it was now an automatic. That's because people are and, winning. And that's why uh, the new uh, C8 is auto that's because they just sell more yeah that's why they're all auto now aren't they mm-hmm. the manual take rate on the z06 accounted for just 15 percent of sales since the introduction of the automatic and that is in the c7 corvette it's gross i don't understand it all I, I think the problem is a lot of people that are buying cars like that buy them based on magazine numbers that's true probably you know, they don't have anything other than to say, my car is faster than your car. You know, whether right. it has anything to do with driving, you know, enjoyment or not. Because I don't think a lot of people that buy those cars drive them the way they're supposed to be driven. They get driven to and from, you know, the local car show and that's it. 
Yeah. And, you know, they're talking about electrification is, is catching up. So that's why manuals are going away. You know, there is some glimmer of hope where, you know, stalwarts like, you know, Porsche does make manuals because people that buy Porsche was like, hey, we we just want manuals, please. Like, yeah, some people just don't like care. Like, yes, the PDK twin clutch, whatever thing it is, puts down X zero to 60 time. That's like insane. Super cool. But if I want to go drive on the back roads and in the canyons or whatever, I don't care about zero to 60 times. I just want to row my own gears. Like, yeah, exactly. So you're not, you're not drag racing every time you get in the car. So it doesn't matter. So at least, you know, you know, enthusiast kind of based car companies like that still do it, even though Porsches are insanely expensive, but it doesn't matter because you got to figure there's so many cars that have been built with manuals. They still exist. Yeah, used. I mean, even if we don't ever, even if they 100% go away in brand new cars, we'll still be able to enjoy our old cars with manuals for our entire lifetime anyway. Yeah. So I'm not terribly worried about it. Um, no. I had something else to say about that, but I forget. But it is what it is. We were going to talk about the new Mazda 6. Yeah. Um, when we originally started talking about manual transmissions, um, I was thinking to the fact that Mazda is one of those companies that does a lot of stuff with manual transmissions. Um, and they just announced that they're coming out with a new Mazda six. Um, nothing's been said about the transmission in it yet, but I can only hope that it will include, uh, an old style manual transmission, but there is a hybrid power plant in it. So I don't know if they can do that or not. I'm sure they can. But the exciting thing is that Mazda, again, we don't normally talk about new cars, but this is kind of like an old car tech kind of thing. They're doing a rear-wheel drive sedan again. Really? Yeah. So the new Mazda 6 is going to be an inline 6 rear-wheel drive with an all-new inline 6 that's never been produced before. So that is a Hmm. bonus point for thinking about good things in the future as far as cars go. They're spending the money to develop a brand new fossil fuel powered engine. So that's that's pretty neat. Um, they're looking at making it a little more upmarket, I think. I think it's probably going to be to compete with the cars like the Genesis uh, G80 and the Hyundai, or the Kia Stinger, I should say. I was going to say, they're probably going after the Genesis Kia market. Yeah. Um, Entry level three series yeah probably cheaper luxury german car like people Um, who you know don't want to buy a c-class because the cheap mercedes would probably buy a nice mazda versus a cheap mercedes yeah and the fancier interiors of the mazdas like the upmarket models they're pretty nice oh they're real nice even the lower end ones now are pretty nice the new mazda 3 has got a great interior i mean the the leather's nice the the door panels feel nice doesn't feel cheap at all um, that new Mazda three is kind of ugly, but other than that, it's, uh, it's neat. Hopefully this won't be ugly, but yeah, that's the problem. It was too ugly for me to even look at it. <laughs> yeah. That quarter panel is something else. Yeah. The rest of the car is great, but that quarter panel on that car just ruins the whole car. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is going to have a inline six. They haven't talked about the size of the inline six yet. I don't think, or I haven't found anything about it yet. Um, 
on top of a 48 volt hybrid system. Which Ooh. I don't know what that means. But um it's a pretty standard of the new stuff of hybrid systems. But it's that's pretty cool. So anyway, they're 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 talking between 350 and 400 horse. Um I don't know if that means with hybrid or without hybrid because uh, the specs aren't out yet. It's all just kind of speculation at this point. Um but they're developing it in conjunction with Toyota, I guess. So hmm. Toyota is not... It'll have a BMW six-cylinder? Yeah, no, it's all new six-cylinder. That's the thing. I think that Toyota... All new BMW six-cylinder for Mazda. I think that Toyota doesn't want to use the six-cylinder from BMW as long, you know, for the super forever. I think this is kind of a way to get rid of the BMW DNA in their sports cars in the future. Um, well, you'd have to get rid of the whole chassis, but... But hey, maybe they will. <laughs> so there's there's talk about using the same... Uh, Mazda six-cylinder in at least the new upcoming IS and RC Lexus vehicles. Hmm. So it could be interesting. I'm not. Uh, I'm, not I'm not sure exactly what's gonna what's gonna happen, but you know, Toyota's throwing money at Mazda to do this, so that's an interesting like industry thing. Like they're not so much as co-developing it as co-funding it. Yeah, Ma- I hadn't heard about that. So yeah, that's cool. Mazda's kind of a niche car maker, you know what I mean? They're not a they're not a huge player. You know, they sell enough cars to to get by, but they're never gonna they're not Honda or Toyota. So I, I think that'd be neat to see Toyota money spent with Mazda's, you know, more enthusiast based DNA, whereas Toyota is more of a at the moment, more of a just a volume seller. Like pump out as many Corollas and Camrys as we can develop a sports car with BMW, but we had the money to do something we want to do, but you know, somebody upstairs won't let us do it. So let's have Mazda do it and then reap the rewards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm excited to see a new inline six cylinder. There hasn't been a new inline, like an all new inline six for a while. Um, That's cool. And it's positive news because everybody else, you know, talks about the end of the internal combustion engine and, you know, Mazda's, Mazda's theory is we haven't reached maximum development yet. There's still a lot more to go. No. So they're they're hedging their bets on a different a different future than some other companies are. So we'll see what happens. But I'm excited about it and Mazdas in general, since at least for as long as they've sold them in this country, have always had kind of a sporty edge to them. They haven't been the boring, you know, luxury sedan or boring economy sedan that everybody else has made. They've always had a a little more of a sporting edge. Most of their smaller cars have always been used in competition and you know, there's always a little bit of a a little bit more to them, I think, than than the other companies. So I mean, I'm excited about it. I'll probably never buy one. I'll probably never even think about buying one. But it's neat to talk about it. It's gonna be like a 2022 car, I guess. So we'll see what happens. Cool. All right. So speaking of old cars, you would maybe buy. We've got some crate. Don't tell me. All we of them. That in a while. I would buy all of them. So uh, who wants to go first? Well, there's only two of us, so I'll go first. Okay. All right. I went to the local Craigslist here in Phoenix. Uh, let's see. Yeah, by the way, that $5 thing on Craigslist for cars doesn't seem to have hurt it. No. No, it hasn't hurt it at all. Um, I haven't advertised my car on Craigslist yet, that Saab that I have for sale. 
because well, Facebook marketplace. too rich for my drugs. Well, fa- <laughs> too rich for your drugs. Yeah, too rich for my drugs. You buy drugs cheaper than five dollars. Yeah. Um, <laughs> problem is, Facebook Marketplace is not obviously the place to sell, the place to sell that car. I've had almost a hundred people contact me on it. And hi, is this still available? I'm I'm talking like actual conversations with people, and only one person ever went and looked at it, and they didn't buy it because it wasn't a five speed. Which clearly it states in the ad, but anyway, um, I wanted to put it on Craigslist, but I also at this time of, you know, they were living in in the, in the coronavirus world. I don't want to have a massive amount of people going to my father's house to look at the car. So yeah. unfortunately, now it's just sitting there, uh, and I'm going to wait for this kind of the global pandemic to end before I can sell my car. So is what it is. So I have not used the $5 Craigslist ad yet, but I will as soon as the air is clear, so to speak, I guess. All right, first car. It is a... Do we go with years? Do I tell you years? I don't remember. No. No years? All right. Nope. High performance. 408 cubic inch small block V8. Four-speed manual transmission. Eight and three-quarter rear end. Power steering, rally wheels, strong runner. Exterior, good body, nice yellow paint. 14-inch steel rally wheels. Nice-looking black interior, presents well. Tough with two Fs steering wheel. Pistol grip shifter. Mechanical, 408 cubic inch, high-performance build with receipts. Four-speed manual, power steering, eight and three-quarter. Engine is stout, makes good power. Car drives well. All VIN tags in place. That sounds pretty cool. All right. Um, there's, a lot, there's a lot of, if you knew these cars, you would already know what the car was. Or within the family. Um, a few clues here. Oh, I'm definitely the cubic inches. 408 is a weird number. It's a very weird number. I can tell you that's not a stock number. This is okay. a, a stroked engine. Okay. Uh, Pontiac? Negative. All right. So GM, here's, here's, here, here's the words you're looking for. Eight and three quarter rear end. Pistol grip shifter. And tough right. wheel. And tough wheel. A Chrysler product? It is a Chrysler product, yep. All right. Um, the pistol grip is what? Uh, the Barracuda? It is not a Barracuda. Um, by this year, the Barracuda would have been based on a different body style. But in the earlier years, a Barracuda would have been the same underpinnings as this car. So it's a Charger? Nope. Challenger? So in the later years, the Barracuda became a big car. <laughs> But earlier on, it would have been a smaller car. So this is a later year car. So it's the smaller version of a car. Dart? It is a Dart, yes. Uh, it's a 72 Dart Swinger. Oh, uh, all right. It's a 360 that's been stroked to 408. So Whoa. when the when the, the Barracuda first came out, it was based on like a Valiant Dart platform. But by... This year, 72, the Barracuda was a bigger car. It was the same as like the Challenger um, 
and, and, and that body style. I'm not really good with the exact names of the body styles. I know GM stuff better. I think the dart in 72 is an A body. Um, and the Barracuda Challenger are a B body, but I'm not 100% positive. So I know that it did, it did grow to a bigger car by this point. So yes, the first car is a 72 Dodge Dart. Uh, it's a really nice car with that 360 supposedly punched out, um, but it looks stock other than like chrome valve covers and air cleaner. Um, it's 15 grand with a four speed and it looks well worth the money. I would definitely drive this car. It's a good way to get into that era of a muscle car without spending a hundred, you know, $65,000. So the, the yeah, tough, it's a good price. Yeah. The tough wheel is, um, Chrysler's like rally wheel at the time. It's like a foam. Oh, it's a three spoke with a big horn pad. It's, it's a neat looking steering wheel. It's like a sport steering wheel. Huh. But anyway, so that's number one. Like an old NASCAR style steering wheel. Kind of. It kind of has like, it looks like a higher quality, like Grant GT. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's a neat car. It's a, it's a bench seat, four speed. I, I dig it. It's got a cool little hood scoop, which wouldn't be factory, but I dig it. It's a cool car. I like darts a lot. That's they're on. They're always been on my radar as like a daily driver kind of car, especially mm-hmm. a pre 73 with the small bumpers and all the darts of this body style have this like weird, like curved back window. That's just really neat looking. All right, your turn. All right. This one's pretty vague, but I think you'll get it. Oh, good. Original, spelt O-R-G, 301 engine and TH-350 transmission. Okay, it's Pontiac. Yep. Car's good for storing needs TLC, no tire kickers, or low ballers. This is not a new car. Don't expect pristine condition. And yes, it does start. That's it? That's it. So it's a 301? Yep. So it's a pre-smog era Pontiac? So like a pre-74, 73? Nope. It's later than that? It's later. So that's a Grand Prix? Nope. 70s Pontiac, right? Uh, it's, yeah, it's based on a 70s Pontiac. Oh, so it's like an 81 Trans Am? Uh, judges, yeah, we'll give it to you. It's an 80, 80 Trans Am. All right. <laughs> yeah, 301. Yeah, it might as well be a 70s car. Yeah. Yeah, they're pretty, um, they're pretty 70s. I got to send you pictures of this one because <laughs> you can definitely tell from the photos that it is not. Uh, pristine or a new car. Yes. It's like so obvious, but you, you, you knew right away. Yeah. And it's got no, uh, oof. Rear quarters are rotten out and you must be in the new England Craigslist then. Uh, I went to the Jersey shore Craigslist. Okay. So yeah, new England <laughs> South. It's fine. All right. I got another one here for you. Let's see. I got a couple good ones here. What's this one here? All right, ready? Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you the price of this car up front. It is $1,000. Buy it. <laughs> I, actually, I would. 2.2 liter diesel engine. Four-speed manual transmission. 
160,000 miles. It's been sitting for 12 years. However, nine months ago it was started and it did run. Clean title. One flat tire, the rest all dry rotted. Parts are very sought after. I've included pictures of additional parts with prices that they normally cost. Car is 100% complete, but in very poor condition. Needs 100% restoration. If you want it to run, bring your own battery and some starting fluid. Otherwise, there is no battery. I'm selling the whole car for $1,000, non-negotiable. You must tow at your expense. Once again, non-negotiable. Rear-wheel drive, four-speed, 2.2 diesel, sedan. Ooh, too much information. Uh, oof. Um, that's tough. That's tough. Uh, it's not really. That exists as one vehicle sold in this country, probably. Is it a Mercedes diesel? It is a Mercedes diesel, yes. Yeah. Uh, it is a 73 220 diesel, which is a W115, I think. Um, 2.2, 2.20, okay. Yep. Um, but it's really neat because it's a manual transmission. Still, yep. still slow as could be, um, but oh, it has terrible. it has a factory Becker radio, uh, which is really neat. Which is like the the classic one that used to come in, in Porsches and stuff in the fifties and sixties and early seventies. So that the radio alone is probably worth the asking price of the car. So it's a really neat car, and it's it's not that bad. <laughs> it's a it's a typical. I'm out here in Arizona now, so everything is junk according to the description, but then you look at it and it's like, I would drive that as is. Oh, it's like, it's an, it's Arizona bad. It's, Ari- it's Arizona junk. The body is pin straight without a single spot of rust. Um, all the trim is intact. All the moldings are intact. The bumpers are perfect. It's a 70 interior and paint is like roasted off. The, is paint, that what- the paint isn't even that bad. The clear coat is peeled on the roof. Um, the interior is complete. There's no giant holes in the seats. They're all cracked at the seams. Uh, and even the dash is respectable as is. Like, this is not a parts car. This is a car you just go and buy and throw some tires on it and drive it. <laughs> just put some seat covers on it and call it a day. Because it's not it's not junk by any means. If, if this was a few months from now and I had a garage where I could work out of at my house, uh, I would probably be on my way to buy this car to clean it up yeah. and send it back east and uh, hopefully make a couple bucks on it out there. But it's not a bad car. It makes me upset to see it advertised as a parts car. Mm. But whatever. What do I know? Not a whole hell of a lot, right? All right. You got one more for me? Yeah, I got one or two. All right, good. Let's see. I am selling a blank four-door hardtop. It has a 312 V8 with automatic training. The floor and frame are great. It does need rear quarters, but I have the patch panels in the car. 53 Ford, Crown Victoria. It's a very limited production car. You're so close. It's a four-door? So it's yep. a 53 Ford Crestline. Nope. Am I in the right body style? I think so. You got to go upmarket, though. So it's a 53... Am I the right year? No. Okay, so up or down? Go up. So it's a 54 Lincoln Continental. Nope, not a Continental. It would be a Lincoln nope. Premier or something. Nope. Oh. 
I don't have enough info to go on from this point. Automatic, I assume. Four door. It is. It's a Ford. It's a three twelve. That gives it away immediately. Yep. Um, but it's a four door. It's not as upmarket as Lincoln, but it's a Mercury. That's right. But I don't know the model of the Mercury from that era. So it's a 54 or a 55 Mercury Zephyr? No. I've never even seen one of these. It's a 56 Mercury Phaeton. Oh, a Phaeton? Yeah. I don't think I'm familiar with that. I'm I'm not sure I've ever seen one. That doesn't... Like, Phaeton, like PH? Yeah. It does come up if you Google it, so must be a thing. Oh, must just be a trim level on the Mercury. I don't know. I love I love that body style Ford and Mercury that era. Um, and the three twelve gave it away immediately. But yeah, that's cool. I'd uh, I definitely drive that. How much is that one? Uh, I sent you the ad. I forget. I just clicked out of it. Oh. <laughs> It's cool. I dig it. So, wood drive. I didn't get the ad, but that's okay. I'll see you later. All right. One more for you. All right. Blank, blank, blank. Lifted. Not 4x4. Four four. This super cool blank is the perfect blank canvas for a project. If you've ever dreamed of living in your vehicle uh-huh. or just wanted a unique weekend toy, This is the blank for you. Powered by a small block blank engine with an aftermarket intake carb MSD ignition, it makes lots of power and sounds great. Plus, the motor is super easy to get to. The easiest thing I've ever worked on. It is lifted, but it is not four-wheel drive. I'm getting rid of it because I am moving and do not want to take it with me. It has been sitting for 20 years and needs some love. But it starts, runs, and drives. I'll continue to work on it until it is sold. Price will be adjusted to fit any other work that goes into it. This van could be so cool. I'd love it for go to someone who would appreciate it. Please text me for more information. All right. Well, I think you gave it away there. It's I realized I said it in the very a end. A van. So super mad at myself. Yes. Uh, the whole entire time I said blank, and now I said van. I don't know. 78 GMC Duravan. It's a three. It's a, it's a 318s mall block. If you want to know that. Oh, so it's like a, a Dodge van. Yeah, it's an 81 Dodge van. <laughs> I'm super angry that I said van in the end there. <laughs> I hate those things so much. This one's cool though. Anyway, I don't know if anybody listening has ever driven a 80s through 90s Dodge van, but terrible. You, well, you need to have one leg to drive them. Terrible. There's, there's literally zero place for your left leg to go. There's a giant wheel well that's where your foot would go. It's super uncomfortable. I would, however, drive a 90s one if it was done up like a the Dajiban style, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't drive it very far because it's super uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. Or maybe you could make it work somehow, but I'm not quite sure how to put some kind of like place to rest your leg somewhere. But anyway, do you find any more, Andrew, or is that it for today? I got one more and then an honorable mention that um, okay. I can read. So I'm selling a blank 
two-door. It's all steel with a Mustang 2 front end with disc brakes, no motor or trans. It has suicide doors. The frame has been painted green, came from Georgia. 33 Ford. Man, so good. 34 so, Victoria. <laughs> uh, I pictured the ads from like Street Rider magazine in the 90s selling those things. Uh, and suicide doors kind of gave it away. It's probably got a chopped body, full fendered. It's pretty cool. Yeah. No, they're pretty neat. Like a ZZ Top car. Yeah. All right. I have one more for you too then. Just because the ad is a little bit interesting. Looking for the ultimate quarantine machine? No good. You found it. A vehicle just as fit for global chaos as it is for cruising to your local watering hole. Not recommended currently. The baddest, raddest, most gnarly vehicle to ever be produced. The blank Q Sound of Thunder. Blank, 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 with a 2.5 liter naturally aspirated engine. A vehicle has a clear Arizona title and currently has 22,509K. It was initially purchased by the Singapore military. A great deal of its time was spent in storage and served the majority of its life there before being imported into the U.S. a few years ago. Vehicle was recently converted to 24 volts, upgraded to LED headlights, received new brakes, brake patches cylinder, timing belt, and a kill switch. Solid frame with no signs of concerning corrosion. Awesome vehicle to cruise around or even hit the desert. Runs well, ready for its next owner. I don't know, some sort of personnel carrier? Nope. You'll uh, you'll be upset if you don't get this one. Uh, is it one of those off-road Volvos, like military Volvos? 2.5 liter, naturally aspirated, diesel engine. Doesn't say diesel, but it is diesel. Right-hand drive. The Delica? Used by the Singapore military. Looks like it has seating for... I'd say six, possibly eight. It's not a Montero, is it? It is not a Montero, but it would be something that Montero owners say their vehicle is a lot like. Oh, is it a, uh, like a Toyota Troopy? No, you go in the wrong countries. Oh, is it a G-Wagon? Oh, no, you're hitting all around it. There's only one left. <laughs> oh, the, uh, oh man, what would it be then? If it's I told not you, a Mercedes. they sold them based on a wheelbase. And this is a 110 inch wheelbase. I don't know. I don't know what, it what is. they call the model of them is a 110. A 110 what? It's a Defender. Oh. Defender 110. Oh. It's actually oh, really uh, cool. Um, it's like a sand beige oh, color. Makes sense. Singapore, yeah. Yeah, it's got a soft top that goes all the way to the back. It's long wheelbase, but only two doors. And it has the personnel style seats that go like lengthways along the sides. Yeah. And can be really cool. roll down. It's $27,000. Oof. Is, uh, a bit, a bit much, but. I don't think it's the baddest, raddest, most gnarly vehicle to ever produced. Q Sound of Thunder. I thought the whole juxtaposition of Q Sound of Thunder followed by 2.5 liter naturally aspirated engine was a uh, was kind of funny, but it's uh, certainly it's a thing. So I would totally drive one, just not for thirty grand. 
especially where it's a very bare bones, literally military spec vehicle for $30,000. But it is cool. Right. What's your honorable mention, Andrew? Um, it wasn't that great. I, I decided against it. Okay, never mind. <laughs> it was just a crummy ad for a, a CK uh, pickup truck. All right, I'll ignore it. Nothing about it. Wasn't it. that great? Wasn't worth it. So on that note, um, you can always find us on Facebook, Auto Off Topic Podcast, on Instagram, Auto Off Topic. Oh, you know what we didn't even talk about? We'll, we'll say it real quick. We did participate in the virtual Radwood oh, over my the weekend. Yeah, very important. Um, that was super fun. Kind of a little distraction. Uh, everybody posted their cars to Instagram. This is the first Radwood where I had all my cars. At. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even do that. I only had a few of them. <laughs> what a dummy. So uh, that was pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, you can see that on my Instagram, Race and Anger. Follow our podcast Instagram. Hold on. We did also um, get um, to pick our raddest Mitsubishi. And uh, we haven't oh, announced, that announced? We haven't announced that yet, but uh, it'll be announced tomorrow. So by the time this goes live, it'll be up. Uh, okay. So okay. we had a few to choose from. So there were a few that were honorable mentions. There was uh, Holly Smog owns a flat body starring with an LS swap. Yeah. Which is really cool. Um, there is a, an Evo conversion here in actually Arizona that started as Mirage and now looks like a Tommy Mackinac Evo six, which is yep. interesting thing to build, but it's built and it's cool and it's definitely our style. Um, but the person that won the, our, our choice was another flat body stereo. And the reason that we picked her over the other flat body was the full participation with accessories as well. So yep. uh, her Instagram name is hannahjoy.xo, so H-A-N-A-J-O-Y.xo. And she has a flat body Starion Technica in two-tone black and, black and silver with the maroon interior, which a Technica Starion means that it has digital gauges and it has the talk box when you open the door. Um, but she went full into the whole Radwood thing. She has a solo cup hanging from the mirror for the pictures. And she put a picture of herself next to the car wearing very 80s appropriate clothes uh, and listening to an OG original Walkman. So I think that that, that combination of uh, of radness and rad accessories puts her over the top as our raddest Mitsubishi. It's not the nicest car in the show, but it represents the era the best, I think. So Yeah, it was, was very cool. Yeah, so she'll be getting a small package from us and from uh the boys over at radwood so congratulations to her sweet so brad where can people find you on instagram tsiss350 cool so as always keep cars analog and aim for the roses yeah.